So it seems to me that we really like broad strokes. We like to have big events. Think about the last time you were planning something where you had a message that you wanted to communicate to a lot of people. How did you want to do that? Well, we want to invite as many people to one place at one time so we can reach out to the most people, right? I mean, I, as a chaplain and a pastor, I feel that sometimes I can look around and see empty seats and I'm like, I'm sharing a good message that God has for this community today and not just this community, but this community this AU community, and I'm thinking, wow, wouldn't it be great if we could just pack out this place? What if we could move out onto the quad and pack out the quad with people? Because there's enough people on campus to do it, and, and this message is important enough. What, man, that would be just fantastic, because, you know, that would be a really efficient way of doing things. If we could just gather everybody together at one time, I could get the message across in one teaching, right? That sounds really efficient. It's maybe what I've gotten used to in the idea that I have limited resources and that I have limited time. Sometimes there's limited money. Sometimes there's limited opportunity. And so I want to be as efficient as possible. And it's really me trying to be a good steward of what I've been given, right? I mean, think about this. You guys are only here for four short years, which while that might seem like a long time as you're going through it, when you look back, it's like this. And that means as a chaplain, I only have four years to make an impact on you, to plant those seeds that God has for me to plant with you. And so I think about how can I spread this farther and bigger and broader and connect with the most people. But you know what? That's not really how God works. Not most of the time anyway. Because you see, God, the kingdom of God, is frivolous wastefully frivolous. Now, that's what our text this evening is getting into a little bit. You see, Jesus is having dinner with these folks who are, who we, Jesus is having dinner with these folks who are, shall we say, less than desirable, the sinners. You know, it's one thing to interact with those people, but eating with them? I mean, really, Jesus, what are you doing? Those people are sinners. You should be spending time with us. We are the teachers and the Pharisees and the scribes. Jesus, what are you doing? Why are you with them? You're wasting your time with them. That's what the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling about. Why spend time with them? But Jesus sees things a little bit differently. He sees the things of the world through a slightly different lens. He sees the world through that kingdom lens, that lens that says that the world doesn't operate in quite the way you think. 
It's expressed, he expresses this then through these two parables, this parable of the lost coin and the lost sheep. Now in one, you have a shepherd who is tending to a flock of a hundred sheep, and one sheep goes missing. And so the shepherd leaves the 99 that are left and goes to find the one. In the other, you have this woman who is searching for a silver coin, which would be approximately one day's wage. Now, one day's wage is, of course, important, but she had nine days' wages already, and she spends most of a day sweeping up her house, searching for this one coin, so was it really worth her time and effort to find the one and waste so much time and energy? But she rejoices when she finds the one coin. Because the kingdom of God isn't about efficiency. It's not about how many masses of people can we cram into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God operates on a different economy. It's not efficiency. It's that everyone matters. Every single one of us matters. And that God weeps when even just one of us is lost. And that God is going to go to any length to ensure that that one, that lost one, you, me, is found. You see, God's not concerned about efficiency. It's not about that. It's about us. Jesus said in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek out and save the lost. Jesus didn't come to save the masses. Jesus came to save you and you and you and me. It wasn't a crowd that Jesus was ever seeking. It was the individuals in that crowd that he sought after. Every single one. Think about that for a moment. In a crowd, a massive crowd. Think about the last time you were out here on the quad and there was a crowd of people. The sea of people where if you were trying to find someone in that crowd, it might be really difficult. And God isn't looking for just one, but each and every one. Because each and every one of those persons is important to God. Each and every life matters to God. God cares about each and every one of us. In ministry, it's really easy to get caught up in the idea that we're building a ministry here, that we're wanting to add to the numbers that we have now because we want to build a bigger community. We want more people to come in. We want more people to know. And numbers in that way are important, but it's not about numbers. It's about individuals. It's about each and every one of us and each and every person who might ever come through the doors of 
K or come to one of our events or come to anything that we might do anywhere and share the love of God with them. Where the grace of God can be experienced, that's what this is about. See, we're not just building a group. We're building a community that resembles the kingdom of God. Now, this semester we're talking about how we live our faith. And so tonight, I want to talk about what may be a scary word about how we build this community of God. Now, maybe not for everyone in here, but the word evangelism can sometimes be a scary word, right? How many of you have ever had a bad experience with evangelism? I certainly have. That's not to say that all evangelism is bad, but we, most of us, have had some experience of it. While I was in seminary, I spent two summers in Columbus, Ohio, uh, interning with the church there. And I remember one particular day when I was down by the Capitol building uh, there, and I was on the corner waiting for the light to change so I could cross, and someone approached me. Now, I don't remember exactly what he said to me, but I remember this. I remember him asking if I was a Christian. And I responded, yes, and that actually I was in seminary and I was studying to be a pastor. What I won't forget, though, is what he said next. He says, but have you placed your trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior? I was flabbergasted because I just told him, no, I'm... I want to be a pastor because I want to share God with others. I want to teach others about God because I love God so much that I'm going to seminary and I'm giving all of this time and energy to my studies right now so that I can be a better pastor someday. What do you mean have I put my trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? How presumptuous of a question is it to ask someone that when they've just told you they are considering themselves a Christian. You see, what was the problem with his evangelism was he didn't care about my life. He didn't know my past. He doesn't know my future. Instead, I was just another number. Are you in? Are you out? one of the countless saints, a num nameless soul that could be added to God's coin purse or lost, if I so choose. I think a lot of us can relate to evangelism experiences like that. I've struggled a lot, even as a pastor, with that word evangelism, which may sound strange as someone who gets up and preaches on a weekly basis, but that word evangelism, it seems so defined so much in this little box. It's been aggressive and it turns people off. But then God kind of began to work on me a little bit. 
and began to say, but what if evangelism is more than that? What if evangelism isn't a technique for teaching people about Jesus? What if evangelism is a way we live our life? You see, evangelism, it's not meant to be this pushy conversion technique. Evangelism isn't about results. It's not about celebrating how many souls we can get saved today. In fact, it's not a tool at all. Evangelism is about relationship building. Because if we're building a community here, the place we start is in relationship with one another. So what does that mean for us on this campus here of thousands of people? This much smaller group than the whole body of the school? In this city, this region of millions of people? What does that mean for us? How do we live out that lifestyle of evangelism? Well, I've got, in good preacher form, three ways for you to do this. And the first is, we live a lifestyle of evangelism. And by that I mean that we seek to live every day, seeing everyone around us as a child of God. And to love everyone to the best of our ability. We try to live this out, live out this faith that we talked about last week, the one that I talked about that had a high commitment. It's doing our best each and every day to be the hands and feet of Christ for the world. Because we testify to our faith sometimes most often, and in the best ways, not with our words but with our lives. When our lives are an outpouring of God's love. Secondly, we build relationships with others. Now this is friends, this is family, this is your next door neighbor, this is the person serving your, you your meal in TDR, or the person cleaning the bathroom on your floor. It really is about building relationships with everyone around us. And it's not so we can get them to trust us so we can offer them a Jesus track or so we can offer them some kind of sales pitch on why the gospel is fantastic. It's so we can build this relationship with others and coming to them and saying, I have no agenda other than to say, you are a person of dignity and worth. And that means you're worth knowing. Because all of us are people of dignity and worth. And all of us are worth knowing. We're building relationships with people because that person, whoever they are, is a child of God and so are we. And so I want to know you more. And it's in that relationship that we build, that we proclaim the gospel maybe most clearly, because who knows us better than those who really know us? Finally, we practice what is called invitational evangelism. 
or come and experience evangelism, come and experience for yourself evangelism. It's like the man who asked, is Jesus Christ your personal savior? And the other man responded, no, I prefer to share him. This is as simple as inviting someone to join in the things that you find spiritually nourishing. Maybe that's here in worship. Maybe that's in a Bible study. Maybe it's in a protest for dignity and justice. Maybe it's in fighting the evils of the world. Or maybe it's in a simple thing like watching a movie. Whatever it is that you find spiritually nourishing, this invitational evangelism is simply saying to another person, hey, I really like this. I think you might too. And I'd love to have you join me if you want. That's it. Now that doesn't sound so scary, does it? It doesn't sound like this intimidating thing that I have to work up the courage to do because I need to say the right words or do the right things all the time. It's how we live our lives. We live our life according to the faith we profess. We build relationships with those around us. And we invite others to come along with us. Which, by the way, sometimes lets us grow as well. Because, I know this is shocking, we don't have all the answers. Mm -hmm. And I, when I say we, I really mean I don't have all the answers. And so, as much as I might invite you to come along, I'm also recognizing that you bring things here that I have to learn. In doing this, we get to do the thing that I love the most. When we do these things, we get to share the love of God. It's my favorite thing in the whole world to do, to share the love of God with other people. It's why I'm a pastor, because I really, really, really love to let people know how much I love Jesus, which probably isn't something you hear too much from a lot of people. But I'm a pastor because I love Jesus and Jesus loves me more importantly and I want you to know that love because it's my greatest joy. How that looks, how it's fulfilled in each of our lives can look very different. And so it's not about saying I want you to have my experience of Jesus. It's about me saying, I want you to have a experience of Jesus. I want you to have your experience of Jesus. Because each one of us is an individual created by God. Each one of us carefully crafted by the hands of the creator of the universe. Each one of us uniquely and lovingly made with our own little quirks and personalities and weird things that we love, our geeky points and our, our uh, nerdy interests. All of those things are part of who we are. So evangelism is also not trying to get you to have my experience. It's having your experience.
Because at the end of the day, it's about a very important fact that the creator of all things, God, doesn't see us as one of a hundred. God sees us as one of one. And that means that no one can get left behind. Amen.